feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And right now, as you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show, big explosions are rocking the capital city of Ukraine, Kiev. And apparently there are a series of reports coming that Russians have been targeting civilian buildings. And that includes, as we know earlier, a kindergarten. Also, we know that a TV tower. We also know some hospitals and some other areas. We know that a number of children have been killed. We also know that a number of Russian soldiers have also been killed. According to the Russian Defense Ministry, 500 have been killed. Many people believe that number is probably four times higher, but that is the only number that the Russian Defense Ministry is reporting at this time. On the Ukrainian side, heartbreaking situation because they are reporting that many hundreds of people have already been killed Uh, that more than a 1,000 have been injured. And also some of the latest reports coming out that the Russians have control of a major southern city and that they could be potentially building a land bridge, which would cut off supplies coming into Ukraine. And that would be a very difficult situation for the people of Ukraine. Uh, On the good news front, lots of weapons are coming in from the United States and NATO There are reports that 200 U.S. stingers and also javelins um, from Poland, and they're initially coming from the United States, but via Poland into Kiev. The question is, can they get all this weaponry, all this hardware there before a massive assault against the capital happens? And we do know that that massive convoy continues. It is somewhat stalled. We're talking about the Russian convoy that, according to reports, is still about 40 miles long. Also, we know that forces from Belarus are also coming in, and it looks like they are trying to choke off the capital city. And, of course, again, as we speak, we do know that that convoy, the big one, is still moving, but apparently is moving very, very slowly. Latest reports are that, indeed, it looks like it is about 15 miles outside of the capital of Kiev. Uh, but the Russians are reporting that they have control of another major city in the south. And that is not good news. That's the first time we have heard that they've actually taken control of a city in the last seven days or so of this horrible conflict. Meantime, also, it looks like we are going to be entering a very dark chapter uh, because the Russians are talking about using severe weaponry. In fact, Lavrov, who's the foreign minister of Russia, saying that World War III will be, quote, a nuclear war. Extremely uh, dangerous talk, extremely dangerous language. And we also heard that there have been hit teams that have been out to get the Ukrainian president, Zelensky. Um, In fact, one thing was really interesting, and this is big news tonight, and I definitely want to hear all of your thoughts on this that there was a Chechen hit team that was out to get Zelensky, of course, the president of Ukraine. He is target number one, as we know. 
And apparently that Chechen hit team has been, quote, eliminated. I love that language, eliminated by the Ukrainian forces. And according to Ukrainian reports, apparently Russian military senior officials had tipped them off as to where this Chechen hit team was. If that's true, that would be an incredible breakthrough. I don't know if that's true. We don't have it confirmed yet. But apparently, according to the Ukrainians, that they got some information from the Russians that were tipping them off that there could be some dissenters among Putin's pack. And boy, would that be good news if indeed that is the case. But still, things are very, very grim in Ukraine tonight. And here is the Pentagon spokesperson, John Kirby, talking about those plans, that hit team that was going after the president of Ukraine, and also the fact that Russians are now targeting civilian structures. John, what will the U.S. government do if President Putin's soldiers kill or harm President Zelensky? What will the consequences be? Well, look, I'd rather not get into... uh, um individual hypothetical scenarios, Jen. Clearly, we know that Mr. Putin wants to topple this government and replace it with his own. Um, And he's already caused the loss of life, of innocence. He's already caused destruction of of civilian infrastructure. And um, all that blood is on his hands. And any more blood that's shed is still going to be on Mr. Putin's hands. The problem is, I think Putin is maniacal. He is out of control. And at this hour, he is violating every norms of warfare. Not that there are and not that somebody like Putin would ever abide by it. But we heard today a very forceful condemnation from the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. under President Biden. She was actually a lot more forceful. She should have given the State of the Union address last night. She at least had some fire in the belly. And this is what she had to say about the Russian forces potentially, basically, instituting war crimes. We've seen videos of Russian forces moving exceptionally lethal weaponry into Ukraine which has no place on the battlefield. That includes cluster munitions and vacuum bombs, which are banned under the Geneva Convention. So tonight, do you believe that Vladimir Putin is a war criminal? By the way, President Biden was asked that today, and he was like, well, we're monitoring, we're looking. Let me give you an answer. Yes. I don't think there should be any hesitation at this point. The U.S. needs to call it out for what it is. He is using bombs and he is targeting areas that he clearly knows are civilians. He hit a hospital. He was hitting a government building. He has taken lives in a number of these locations. Thank goodness it looks like the War Crimes Tribunal has started to do an investigation, but not because President Biden asked for it. He was like, yeah, kind of, I'm not really kind of looking mamsy-pamsy like he was during the State of the Union address. But Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the U.N. ambassador to the U.S., when she was talking more about it today at the U.N., said that not only Putin, but Russian soldiers are probably committing the worst of the worst atrocities. To the Russian soldiers sent to the front lines of an unjust, unnecessary war, I say your leaders are lying to you. 
Do not commit war crimes. Do everything you can to put down your weapons and leave Ukraine. So last night, and you were all with me live when President Biden was speaking at the State of the Union, I want to get your take as to why tonight President Biden hasn't done what I think is the most important thing that would stop the blood money to President Putin, and that is stopping oil coming into the United States, Russian oil coming in that we are still using in massive amounts. Also, NATO. Why have we and the world not blocked their oil exports and also said, no, we will not touch it? Yes, we do need Russian oil because this president changed us from going energy independent to energy dependent. But why hasn't he even sanctioned that? Why hasn't he cut it off? Why hasn't he looked for alternate forms of energy? Shame on this president. And I want to hear your thoughts tonight on that. It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. The fact that the president last night during the State of the Union did not use the moment to actually you know, curtail Russian exports of oil. They're huge, massive amounts of money. I mean, it's an enormous amount of money that is coming in, not just from America, but the world community. He missed a moment. And during the State of the Union, he missed a lot of moments. And he maybe misrepresented, I think, also a lot of other things, too. Coming up in just a few moments, we are going to talk to President Trump's former communications director when he was running in 2020, Tim Murtaugh, to get Tim's take on what he thought of President Biden's State of the Union when it comes to the issue of energy and also now that we are lack of energy dependence, independence rather, that we are basically solely reliant on other forms of energy so much that we're actually using Russian oil and gas, which is an outrage. So is Germany, so is a lot of other countries in Europe. But this is outrageous. Why did this president not change his energy policies? And can you believe during the State of the Union, he actually said, we want to fund police. What a far cry from him and the Democratic Party over the last, you know, think about it, the last two, three years. That's all we have been hearing from them. Plus, he also said, I want to secure the border, too. Did anybody buy that hogwash? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Tim Murtaugh and get his take on all of this. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you were listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We have been talking about what I thought was a really lackluster State of the Union last night. And there was an opportunity where he could have said, you know what, our energy policies have been wrong. I was talking about green energy, but now for national security, for world security, I'm going to change things around. I'm going to allow more drilling. I'm going to look at creating energy independence again, even if it's just temporary I'm still going to look at my green energy. We're going to maybe look at cleaner energy. There's ways that this president could have gone. But President Biden didn't even go there. He didn't even acknowledge that his policies have indeed contributed very much to this moment. In fact, this is really the only thing he announced related to Ukraine and Russia. Take a listen. The United States Department of Justice is assembling a dedicated task force to go after the crimes of the Russian oligarchs. 
We're joining with European allies to find and seize their yachts, their luxury apartments, their private jets. We're coming for your ill-begotten gains. And tonight, I'm announcing that we will join our allies in closing off American airspace to all Russian flights, further isolating Russia and adding additional squeeze on their economy. But nothing about his policies, which have made us energy independent, so much so that we're still buying oil and gas from Russia, which is outrageous in the middle of this crisis. It is shocking. And joining us now to talk about all of this is President Trump's communications director from 2020, Tim Murtaugh. Tim, um, I first of all, I got to get your take on so many different things. But first, let's go after um, the energy move where he made us energy dependent at a point where right now we are basically paying Russia for oil, as are other countries. And yet he's claiming to the world, OK, I'm sanctioning, I'm doing all these things. And yet, you know, that there is so much money that's coming to Russia that indeed is going to be used for those weapons against Ukraine. It's heartbreaking. Oh, sure, Rita. And it's great to be with you again. Thanks for having me on. You know, Biden talked tough about sanctioning Russia, and, and he's correct, I believe, that that uh, America should stand with Ukraine and against the brutal invasion by Vladimir Putin. But Joe Biden squandered his ability to use one of the weapons that he has at his disposal, and that's to sanction Russia's energy industries. We were energy independent, as you just pointed out, under President Trump, and Joe Biden squandered that on purpose. On his first day in office, he attacked our own production by shutting down production and and exploration in Anwar up in Alaska. He killed the Keystone XL pipeline. He has been absolutely openly hostile to American energy production. And so this has left him vulnerable and not able to use all the weapons that would normally be at his disposal to sanction Russia. And here's Biden's problem. If he were to sanction Russia's energy industry and impede their ability to sell oil and natural gas and coal to Europe and the rest of the world, uh, he would have to increase domestic production here at home to compensate. But the environmental extremists who are in charge of his administration won't let him do that. And what that means, the bottom line is, is that it means that environmental radicals are making national security decisions for the United States of America. That's outrageous. Americans, Americans ought to be horrified that this is that our our international national security decisions have been turned over to the leftist green crowd. It's it's amazing. It is. It's shocking. And especially at a time like this where It's amazing to me, Tim Murtaugh, that this president didn't even say, well, you know what, Uh, maybe try to acquiesce that that left wing fringe. And again, I agree it's a radical policy to begin with. But even just say, hey, listen, just due to the world security right now, I'm going to take a pause. He wouldn't even have the guts to do that. It's like he doesn't want to take on any part of that party. No, and he can't. I mean, they're, they're the ones. We warned everybody in 2020 and 2019 that that's, this is what would happen, that Biden would be a pawn of the left and that he would kill jobs and he would, he would stifle and strangle uh, the American energy industry. And he has done exactly that. And it's because he's powerless to oppose these folks. He can't say, no, uh, I think what we ought to do is increase production. He can't because they won't let him. It's where he needs the, the left. Uh, to make look, if you didn't have the support of the left, where would his approval ratings be? 
I yeah. mean, he's already in the mid-30s now. If he lost the support of the leftist uh, environmental extremists in his party, he'd be nowhere. So what does he come up with yesterday? He's going to release, what, 60 million barrels of oil from the strategic – or 30 million from the American Strategic Reserve, total of about 60 million. And do you know what that is? He's releasing enough oil in this country for uh, less than three days of this country's oil consumption. That's what his answer to this is, and that's how he says, oh, I'm going to try to drive gas prices down. Three days worth of oil. What sort of approach is that? Yeah, it is shocking. And speaking of um, security, too, um, I couldn't believe he said this. And everybody, we're talking to Tim Murtaugh, um, President Trump's great uh, 2020 communication director. Tim, you know, I couldn't, my jaw dropped when he said this last night that we're into protecting and securing the border. I want to play this and get your reaction because this president, that border has been so wide open. As you know, we've had more illegal immigrants coming in uh, than we have in decades. And yet he wanted us to buy this malarkey that he was selling last night. This is him last night uh, talking about that. We've set up joint patrols in Mexico and Guatemala to catch more human traffickers. We're putting in place dedicated immigration judges in a significant larger number so families fleeing persecution and violence can have their cases heard faster and those who don't legitimately hear can be sent back. We're screening, we're securing commitments and supporting partners in South and Central America to host more refugees and secure their own borders. We can do all this while keeping lit the torch of liberty that has led the generation of immigrants to this land, my forebears and many of yours. Provide a pathway to citizenship for dreamers, those with temporary status, farm workers, essential workers. Revise our laws so businesses have workers they need and families don't wait decades to reunite. It's not only the right thing to do, it's economically smart thing to do. That's why the immigration reform is supported by everyone from labor unions to religious leaders to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Let's get it done once and for all. And he opened that by saying, we want to protect and secure the borders. That was almost a verbatim line. Could you believe that he actually said that, Tim Murtaugh? No, it's amazing. It's what, it's what he and other leftists do, that they, they use sleight of hand to conflate legal immigration, those people who go through the process correctly, and illegal immigration, those people who cross our borders illegally. I mean, he's bragging about the technology that they use at the border, scanners or something, but there was no mention of the two million illegal immigrants who have been encountered breaking the law to enter the country last year, and those were just the ones who were met by law enforcement. We don't know how many actually got in. And when he talks about a pathway to citizenship for illegal immigrants, that's otherwise known as amnesty. To a lot of people. And, and so this is saying, yeah, you broke our laws to come into this country. And you know what? We're not we're not going to do anything about that. We're just going to let you stay and let you become citizens. And he offered no plan to secure the border. He always fails to realize or acknowledge that he has caused he, he Joe Biden singularly has caused the border crisis. When he was campaigning for president, he promised all kinds of enticements for people who would make the dangerous journey all the way through Mexico, many times from other countries around the world, to get to our southern border and break the law to enter. He promised amnesty, which he just laid out right there. He promised free health care. He promised work permits. And he promised he wasn't going to deport anyone. He promised he was going to suspend deportation. No wonder people have come flooding to the border. Heck, some of them actually, this is true, some of them actually show up at the border wearing Joe Biden T-shirts. Right. And they tell reporters, I'm coming here because Joe Biden said he's going to let us in. 
and now he acts like he's the guy who's securing the border. It's it's insanity, insanity how he gets gets away with saying this stuff with a straight face, and of course the corporate mainstream media lets him get away with it. Absolutely, it is outrageous and it is stunning. I was happy that a lot of people said. You know what? He missed the mark. But you're right. A lot of people in the mainstream media, I don't know where they were coming from. I heard I heard a couple of them saying, what a dynamic speech. I'm thinking, what speech were they watching? Um, when we come back, actually, Tim, could you stay with us for just a few more sure. minutes after the break? Because you're yeah, terrific. Yeah. Fantastic. No when problem. we come back, we're going to talk with Tim Murtaugh, uh, Trump's communication director of 2020, to get his take on the fact that Jen Psaki, when she was asked today, why didn't President Biden talk about Afghanistan and the 13 U.S. service members who were killed there? Oh, he didn't have time. He had a lot to put in the speech. And also, he actually had the audacity to say, we want to fund police as if we're going to forget that two years ago and for the last basically two plus years, they've been saying defund, defund, defund. What are you kidding me? Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, a pair of Ohio police officers are being commended for their efforts in saving an infant. Officers Robert Demikas and also Jeff Garcia responded to a parking lot one night recently for reports of an infant who wasn't breathing. The two officers worked together to clear the baby girl's airway, allowing her to breathe again. And the police chief there said that their quick thinking and teamwork undoubtedly saved the baby's life and reflect great credit upon themselves and the division of police. Police also say that the baby was taken to an area hospital and amazingly has since been released in very good condition. The two officers both had previously been recognized with multiple life-saving awards for past actions. And I bet that they will get another one for their great work saving this little baby girl's life. Well, all of you know that I am such a huge supporter of our police and also of our military men and women. And I was surprised, along with a lot of other people, during last night's State of the Union address, when Jen Psaki, President Biden's press secretary, uh, was asked, how come he didn't mention Afghanistan? How come he didn't talk about the 13 service members who lost their lives, remember, protecting the Abbey Gate there? And take a listen as to what Jen Psaki had to say when the media asked her why was there a big omission in his address last night. So look, a speech like the State of the Union, it's hugely important. It doesn't touch on, it doesn't have the time to touch on everything that is a priority. Well, I would think Afghanistan and some of the other things are a big priority. I think I know why he didn't want to talk about it, because it was such a terrible, dismal withdrawal. But we continue now to talk with the State of the Union address, the highlights and a lot of the lowlights. And we continue with Tim Murtaugh, who was President Trump's 2020 communications director. Um, You know, Tim, what did you make of Jen Psaki saying, well, you know, they just didn't have time to basically fit that in to the State of the Union address? Well, Rita, I think what you're missing is the little-known clause in the Constitution because our, our, our founders, the founders of this great country, did foresee 
televised State of the Union addresses, and they put in there. It's in the Constitution there. They, they put in a time limit on, on, on televised speeches, so um, I, I think everybody has missed that. So that, I mean, that, that can be the only possible explanation. You know, the State right. of the Union address, obviously, obviously there's no time limit on it, and there is so much in there. The president always includes a laundry list of things that he thinks are accomplishments, and sure, some things get cut. But we're talking about the withdrawal from a 20-year war in Afghanistan, the complete withdrawal of American troops, which Joe Biden was very proud of. He was very, very proud of having accomplished that. And we're also talking about the deaths of 13 American service members during the withdrawal. That was a complete and utter disaster as it was going off. For that, to, to say that that got cut because of time – that's absurd. What what they mean is it's not something they want to talk about anymore. Even though they, they tried to claim it as a victory, they know that it is an enormous liability, and Americans were really, really upset when that happened. And in fact, that began uh, – that really cemented his, his spiral downward in the polls, and so it's, it's natural, I guess, politically for them not to want to talk about it. But as the commander-in-chief who made a decision that he was very proud of to withdraw – and I would say that most Americans agreed with the idea that it was time to get America out of Afghanistan. But the way that it was executed was a disaster. It was an embarrassment to this country. It was a failure of support for our allies and the people who had fought alongside us for 20 years in Afghanistan. And to not even honor and mention the 13 dead American service members uh, who died as a result of the chaos over there, It's uh, to me, it's just disgraceful. Yeah, I thought so, too. And as you point out, Tim... I agree with you that it was so poorly done that he doesn't want to spotlight it. It's all about politics. And speaking of politics, Tim Murtaugh, here he was last night. I couldn't believe this. President Biden, during the State of the Union, actually said, oh, we want to fund the police. That, to me, was shocking after they basically let our cities burn in 2020 and never came out and condemned the rioters. There's so many references to where they have actually said, defund, 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 defund. It's like they want us to forget about that because the midterms are right here. But I want to play this and and get your reaction, Tim. This is him last night talking about the police. I know what works. Investigating crime prevention and community policing. Cops who walk the beat, who know the neighborhood, and who can restore trust and safety. Let's not abandon our streets or choose between safety and equal justice. Let's come together and protect our communities, restore trust, and hold law enforcement accountable. That's why the Justice Department has required body cameras, banned choke calls, and restricted no-knocks warrants for its officers. That's why the American Rescue Plan that you all provided $350 billion that cities, states, and counties can use to hire more police, invest in more proven strategies. Proven strategies like community violence interruption, trusted messengers, breaking the cycle of violence and trauma, and giving young people some hope. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police. Fund them. Fund them. Tim Murtaugh, when I heard that, I thought maybe I was mishearing things. 
And what a bunch of hogwash, because now we're heading into the midterms. They know that this defund the police strategy is so highly unpopular with the American public, as it should be, because we want to support our law enforcement officers. And he had the audacity to make it sound like. And then I see Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris and all these other Democrats clapping. What was your reaction, Tim? Well, I I just heard John Solomon say that the ideology hasn't changed, but the politics have changed. And and he's exactly right. Biden obviously knows that his party is off the deep end here with the defund the police movement, which was widespread. This isn't some kind of fringe idea uh, that, you know, took hold and then Republicans grabbed onto. This was widespread and very many uh, high profile Democrats, including, by the way, Vice President Kamala Harris, who was applauding what Biden just said there last night, and she also helped raise bail money for people who were arrested in the 2020 riots in Minneapolis. Uh, it, it was a widespread uh, mantra from Democrats across the country in Washington and elsewhere that defunding the police was the way to go. In fact, Joe Biden himself during the 2020 campaign expressly agreed with the idea during an interview with an activist then and, and the, the the media was desperate to let him off the hook then uh, as well so this this is something that biden knows that his party is in real trouble on and you're right he's looking at the calendar the midterm elections are coming up he knows that his party has already gotten clobbered with this issue over the past couple of years an internal poll for the democrats surfaced and and politico uh, published it that warned the democrats that continuing to talk about defunding the police meant a death sentence for them at the uh, at the voting booth this coming november so that explains that the ideology has changed. The politics and the calendar have changed. And so the proof of this is that immediately following the speech, Congresswoman Cori Bush from Missouri, she tweeted at Biden that she still, no, she means it. She still wants to defund the police. So this is where the left of his party is. And as we have talked about so many times, Biden is beholden to the left. They are the ones who are driving the Democrat agenda. And I can just imagine when Biden walked out of the Capitol and they got back to the White House and were sitting around talking about the speech, they probably thought, yeah, we nailed that one. Boy, we sure did put that to bed. But they didn't because it's what many Democrats still believe. And if they think that that took that issue away, it did not because there's three years of history that show that Democrats are the party of defunding the police. And there's no way that Joe Biden can deliver 30 seconds of one speech and wipe that away. Absolutely. You're right. It was just shocking. And like you said, it is all on tape. And there are many of them saying that and include, as you pointed out, him basically agreeing again on that activist. I remember seeing that tape. My jaw dropped when he said that. I remember it. He also did not condemn the looting. None of them did. And also Kamala Harris donating to the Minnesota Freedom Fund that was bailing out the looters and the protesters. There's so many of these different layers to it. Um, Tim Murtaugh, thank you so much for being here tonight and your great perspective. And thank you for staying for the second block, because I love what you have to say. You have such great insight, Tim, and it's wonderful to have you back here on the Rita Cosby Show. Thank you. Phil, well, thank you, Rita. It's great to talk to you again, and uh, I look forward to the next time. Thank you. Me too as well. And I know all of our listeners too. Thank you so much, Tim. Everybody, what do you think of President Biden's State of the Union address? You just heard Tim's great insight. The number is 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. By the way, Tim was talking about how, yeah, it's all on tape out there. The Democrats last night, it was like, oh, yeah, he said, yeah, we want to fund the police and they're all clapping like lemmings. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What a bunch of 
political hogwash. They want us to forget what's on tape. It's all over the place, a number of them. Here's just a little sample of some of them over the last year or two saying, let's defund the police. So we've been talking about defunding the police. Uh, There's some issues that we ask police to do, like mental health issues or policing in schools and all the rest, that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that money around. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, But we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. Right. And then last night, President Biden had the audacity to say, oh, Democrats are not for defunding the police as if that was some made up idea. And that list goes on and on and on. We just played you a little sample. There's a whole bunch more. And in fact, one of the members of the squad today came out, Cori Bush, and basically was condemning President Biden, for making those comments, basically said, you didn't talk about defunding the police. That's really where you basically should have gone. What are you talking about? Um, So, boy, he's got problems with his own party, at least the squad members. who, by the way, I don't agree with them whatsoever. At least they stated the same message. You got to give them credit of that. At least they're transparent that they keep saying they want to keep defunding the police. And they keep kind of sticking with that message. Meanwhile, Biden admits it at one point and then last night wants to tell the world something totally different. Uh, You know, it is just such a bunch of political hogwash. And it's all because, as Tim was saying, the midterms are coming up and they realize he is widely unpopular. You look right now at the polls, he's at 37 percent. And he knows that these policies of trying to defund the police are so unpopular. Also, the insecure border, unsecure border, it's making us all insecure, but the unsecure border, boy, is that a disaster. And that's not popular either. So he's like, gosh, maybe I got to look at it from a political perspective and wants us to basically erase the last two years. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Eileen in New York. Eileen, your thoughts about President Biden last night because He had the audacity, as I just was saying, to say, oh, fund the police as if they never said defund the police. And the one thing I found a lot of holes on, too, Eileen, he never talked about bail reform. He never talked. He said we have to hold law enforcement responsible. I found that um, also not very respectful because it was right after he talked about the slain officers in New York He talked about Wilbert Mora and Jason Rivera, how he came to New York. And like within the next breath, he said, we have to hold law enforcement responsible. And yet he didn't say, you know, what about the thugs? He didn't say, make sure that they pay a price. What did you make of that, Eileen? Well, first of all, you asked the question about Putin being a war criminal. Absolutely, yes. My thought on with the police, the funding that he agrees police funding the police I'm, I caught that right away, but I also caught that he didn't say, and I did yell at my TV. I'm a little nervous, Rita, because I have to tell you something after. Um, I said, well, what about the criminals? They keep letting them go, and they go out and commit the same crime. Now, my father was a 22-year veteran of the NYPD from 1954 to 1972. He retired. He committed suicide in front of me oh in 2015. Goodness. 
He had PTSD. He kept all of that in, bottled up, because in those days when they were training, you weren't allowed to speak up if a case really, really bothered you. And my father saw some horrendous things. He started out as a rookie and fought Apache which is numero uno. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. Eileen, you know what? When you shared this story, first of all, thank you for sharing this with all of us because it is so important that people out there, and one of the things I'm so proud that we do here on the show every night, we do a segment called Back the Blue, where we honor our men and women in blue all over the country um, because I think that they are the best of us, people like your dad, Um, And it is so important that we understand the pressure that they're under, like you just said, that your father was under, um, and the effect it has not just obviously as heartbreaking also just on your dad, but also on the family. Um, And it is so important that we support them. And that's why I am so upset when I hear people, and I don't look at it as like a Republican, Democrat. I look at it as, you know, protecting and making sure that our good guys and gals are supported you know, emotionally, financially, all that, because we need to protect our men and women in blue. And also, I feel like anybody who says, oh, no, you know, or, or these people who are attacking the police, uh, mm-hmm. it, it gets me so angry, Eileen, because Thank your you. father was a, was a hero. And, and mm-hmm. we're so honored that you shared this story tonight. And Eileen, mm-hmm. thank you very much for calling. And just know that you are in our thoughts or prayers. We're going to be thinking of your dad and, uh, and also, thank you so much for his incredible service to this country and just for reminding us how hard it is to be a police officer these days because it is tough. It is so, so tough. Um, Eileen, thank you for calling in, too, and, and we're going to be thinking of you. Thank you very much. When we come back, everybody, we're going to talk about, as you just heard from Eileen firsthand, how emotional it is to be a police officer, how tough it is. And now, yet we have the President of the United States wanting us to think, okay, well, you know what? Um, We never really said defund the police. We never said any of those things. Are you kidding me? It's all on tape. We have to support our police. And how dare he play politics with the midterm elections? Our police go through so much through heck and back, as you just heard from Eileen. We need to support them. What did you think of the President's State of the Union address? We're going to talk about that those layers when we come back. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we have been talking about the State of the Union address and how I think President Biden has been playing politics big time. First off, a whole bunch of different areas. Again, he didn't reverse his energy policy. Remember, we were energy independent under President Trump. Now we are energy dependent, including with Russia. Talked about, oh, we're protecting the borders. Does anybody think our southern border is protected because of President Biden's policies? If you do, I got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn because that ain't true. And then also he had the audacity to say, you know what? We are we're the party basically that funds police that supports police. Are you kidding me? Here's a little bit more of some Democrats saying quite the opposite over the last year or two. So yes, defund your butts, defund you. Yes, I support the reallocation of resources 
uh, from NYPD. We will be moving funding from the NYPD to youth initiatives and social services. They are talking about reducing the allocation of resources to that department, and I think every single city in this country ought to be thinking about the same thing. Yes, I support the defund movement. I'm for responsible reallocation of resources. Wow. It is all on tape, and it goes on and on and on. And yet they want to say, oh, we're the party of funding the police. We're the party with the right energy policy. Are you kidding me? And we just heard the Federal Reserve talking about raising interest rates today. We know that oil prices have gone up. Oh, but his policy has nothing to do with it. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mark in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Mark. Your thoughts about the State of the Union address. Thank you, Rita, for taking my call. The only thing this boob that's in the White House got right last night was that we Americans support the people of Ukraine. And that was it. Everything else was political. Uh, I can't say it on the air. Uh, Defunding the police. I wish when he said that, that they were going to fund the police, the cameras would have showed the squad. I really wish and the American people would have saw firsthand because they didn't get up. They sat. Yes. They clapped. I noticed okay. that. I, did you, and by the I way, really Mark, did you were. see um, Rashida Tlaib, who did one of the, you know, one of the responses from the working families parties? She kind of yep. was like, 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 you know, when a two-year-old uh, taps their fingers together, that's what she uh-huh. was doing during that comment. Yes. And the other thing that really burned me, uh, I mean, there was a lot of things in that speech because but his first day in office with those executive orders, we went from energy independence to now we are dependent upon a maniac who, I mean, Putin, let's, let's be honest, Putin should be removed. What he's doing in Ukraine is, is unbelievable. It's inhumane. He's going after civilian populations. He's just, he's a, he's a madman. He's the second, uh, he's the first Putin, he's the second Hitler. I agree. But the thing is, is that with, with Biden not mentioning, I'm a, I'm a vet. It really, I mean, you're the commander in chief. You sent, you sent people that work for you and take orders from you into harm's way, and they were murdered. And you, you're telling me that you ran out of time? Yeah, how insulting, really? Mark. It I agree with you. To show you more and more how Democrats do not like the military, do not like the the police in this country. And let me tell you something. Like everything they say, if you open up a business, they say 10% of a business is is your waste. Okay? 10% in any business, there are bad people. But you don't sit there and sit there and constantly blame the police who are out there. I tell people this all the time with, with uh, when they start telling me that the cops are racist. And I sit there and I go, you know what you do? Sign a waiver. Any police department will do it. Sign a waiver. Put a bulletproof vest on and get in a radio car for one week with these cops. By the way, Mark, Mark, I'll top that. Um, And by the way, thank you so much for your service, too. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Wonderful to hear your thoughts and your passion. I wouldn't even give them a week. I'd give them like half a day because I don't think any of these people could handle what a police officer or a veteran has to deal with. 
when they're in battle or they're going out to the streets, no matter what street it is in this country, if it's a tough call that they're going on, they couldn't handle it. And I, I, I like your thought. Send them out there and see how tough it is, and then they will hopefully appreciate our great law enforcement and our military. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show as at this hour, at least four to five major cities in Ukraine are dealing with massive explosions coming from the Russian attack. Uh, We understand at this hour that there are reports of civilian casualties in a number of different locations. And in fact, um, you know, Vladimir Putin said, oh, no, we're not going after civilian targets. Well, clearly we are in, sadly, a brutal phase of this war because the Ukrainian fighters have been standing up so far. They have been fighting back. The insurgents have been hitting some of the convoy trucks. They have also been able to knock down a few of the Russian planes with some of the javelins and Stinger missiles supplied by America and also NATO. And as a result, it is very clear that Russia has now launched into a much more ruthless, much more indiscriminate, much more brutal phase of the war. So much so, by the way, there is at least a million refugees or so so far have actually left Ukraine. The population of Ukraine is about 40 million. And in Kiev, the main city, it's about 3 million, but at least a million have crossed over into bordering countries, many of them in Poland. Um, By the way, also, just to give you a sense of where Russia is targeting just coming into us, that in Kharkiv, uh, Russian airstrikes have hit at least three schools. Also, they hit a cathedral and also dozens of residential buildings were destroyed in another major city, that there is massive Russian shelling taking place tonight And indeed, not just military targets. These are clearly civilian targets. And this comes as the International War Crimes Tribunal has said that they are officially opening up an investigation into Vladimir Putin to be a war criminal. That is a big, big standing. Remember Slobodan Milosevic, who is the leader of the Serbian people, was classified as a war criminal. He was taken by his own people, stood you know, trial there, and died while he was standing trial there for war crimes at The Hague. So could we see the same thing happen ultimately to Vladimir Putin? Because that's what happened with Slobodan Milosevic. Ultimately, his own people kind of turned on him. Then they captured him along with, obviously, the U.S. trying to play a major role in that and the world community. And indeed, he was taken captive at The Hague. In fact, I spoke to Milosevic. He actually called me from The Hague when he was there on war crimes. And that was a very serious offense. And that is where he spent the remaining part of his days behind bars at The Hague. So could that indeed happen now to President Putin, who I absolutely believe is a war criminal? And President Biden was asked earlier today, do you consider him a war criminal? Is he doing war crimes? 
And President Biden kind of was like, well, I'm not really sure. I'm not so positive about it. I have to kind of look at it. We're monitoring that. He's been very waffly, very kind of mamsy-pamsy, just like he was, I think, during the State of the Union. I mean, last night he said, yes, we're standing by the Ukrainian people. That was a very important message to send and to say that to the world, which he did indeed do. That was very good on his part. But actually condemning Vladimir Putin and saying so far that, yes, we are looking at this very seriously. He was kind of like, well, I'm not really sure. Well, his own U.N. ambassador Linda Thomas Greenfield was a lot more direct, and she said that she feels that the Russian military has been very, very ruthless in the attacks against the Ukrainians. And this is what she had to say a few hours ago when she was before the U.N. with the whole world listening to her. But the brazen and indiscriminate nature of Russia's attack has had devastating, horrific consequences for the entire country. Russia has bombed residential apartment buildings. It has bombed sacred burial grounds. It has shelled kindergartens and orphanages and hospitals. Russia has spurred mass hunger and caused so many to flee their homes. The latest UN estimate are marching toward a million people. Wow. So I want to hear your thoughts tonight here as you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Don't you think that Vladimir Putin should continue to be isolated? Again, I contend we should be cutting off any exportation by Russia of oil and gas, not just to America, because we're still buying it. I consider it blood money. And also the rest of the world, Germany, a whole bunch of different places are still buying from Russia. We bought, by the way, last year, it was about a 9% or so of our oil imports were from Russia, about the same amount, by the way, as we were importing from Mexico. A lot more were importing from Canada. That's our main, basically, location where we are bringing it in. But why why are we still doing like 9% of our oil and gas from Russia? Guess what they're doing when we send them money? And I want to know, how are they getting money? Because remember, a lot of the banks are sanctioned. Putin's sanctioned, but somehow we're able to get oil and gas from Russia. And how is Germany able to get oil and gas from Russia? And you know that Vladimir Putin is using that money to buy and build his military war machine that he is using against the poor, helpless people of Ukraine who are pleading for the world's help right now. They are pleading for the world's help. And take a listen. Here's a little bit. This is John Kirby earlier today at the State Department. He's the State Department spokesperson. And he was asked, do you think Vladimir Putin is going well beyond the norms of war? I think he was doing it from day one, the minute he went into Ukraine. But also, is he going well beyond in terms of war crimes using thermobaric weaponry? So far, there's no proof he has been using that, but there are proof that they're using the launchers there. He's also hanging around Chernobyl. That's kind of scary. And we also heard from Lavrov, his foreign minister, this is Russia's foreign minister, saying that World War III will be a nuclear war. That was a message today. Wow, is it getting really scary and the stakes are getting really high. Well, John Kirby was asked, what do you make of these thermobaric and also cluster bombs? Because there are reports that Vladimir Putin is using cluster bombs against many of the civilians, hitting these civilian targets that are right now taking a pounding all over Ukraine. Take a listen to his response. 
And can you say whether the Pentagon believes that cluster munitions and thermobarics are banned under the Geneva Conventions? Thanks. John, I don't have any updates for you on um, on the policy reviews with respect to cluster munitions, uh, and I'm going to have to take your question on the on the Geneva Conventions. I'm uh, I'm afraid I'm I'm not an expert on that. And rather than spitball it, uh, I'll take the question and we'll get back to you. And there are definite signs tonight that Vladimir Putin is getting incredibly desperate. Um, By the way, the Kyiv Independent is reporting just a few minutes ago that Russia's Ministry of Enlightenment, I love this title, it's enlightening the Russian public but nobody else, uh, announced that it will stream an all-Russian open lesson on why, quote, the liberation mission in Ukraine is a necessity. And he's planning on doing that uh, March 3rd at noon Moscow time. Isn't that amazing? Because he is trying to convince His people who have been protesting, many of them in many of the streets, there are protests in about 2,000 small cities and streets there in Russia. Think about the guts of those people speaking out against the war tonight. And many of them are getting arrested. This is in Russia. Of course, we've seen protests in Moscow. And now Putin wants to make sure that the public there, quote, understands why this invasion is a necessity. Talk about a bunch of gobbledygook. But this comes at a time, again, where his foreign minister, as I was saying, said today that World War III will be a nuclear war. What a frightening premise, because Russia is a nuclear nation. And there was supposed to be a test of ballistic missiles. This is just sort of a routine test that America does when they do their intense weaponry and they do these sort of routine tests. So much so is the U.S. concerned by those words, not just by Lavrov, but by Putin tonight, that they decided that they would cancel a U.S. missile test. They had a test that was planned. It's sort of a routine test that they just do just to test some of the different ballistic devices tied to this high weaponry that they have. In the United States, and remember, you know, Putin's got some high weaponry, too. And so there was supposed to be a scheduled test. And today, John Kirby announced that they did not want to do that test, that they did not want to do anything that could potentially trigger Vladimir Putin. Take a listen. Both the United States and Russia have long agreed that nuclear employment could have devastating consequences. And we both agreed most recently this year, in the context of the P-5 statement, that a nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. Such provocative rhetoric and possible changes to nuclear posture involving the most consequential weapons in our respective arsenals is unacceptable. The United States has not taken any similar steps. And so in an effort to demonstrate that we have no intention in engaging in any actions That could be misunderstood or misconstrued. The Secretary of Defense has directed that our Minuteman III Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Test Launch, scheduled for this week, to be postponed. We did not take this decision lightly, but instead to demonstrate that we are a responsible nuclear power. Wow. Isn't that an amazing premise that now we are talking uh, day seven, heading into day eight for them over there in Ukraine with the time difference that indeed there are threats of nuclear war coming from Russia, and so much so that the Pentagon is not even doing any routine tests and exercises that it does with its high ballistic missiles just to not do anything to provoke Russia. 
boy, are the stakes high, everybody. What are your thoughts tonight as we hear this? And do you think in so many ways that we should have heard something different from our president last night? Is there something different we should be using with energy strategy, too, as well? And what do you think we should do with Putin now? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, let's go to Dave in Minnesota. Dave, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, hi, Rita. First of all, this is Dom. I think we got it some mixed up. Oh, bit sorry, here. Dom. I recognize no, you no, right no, away, no. Dom. No, I'm Dom sorry. I was told, Dave, if I had known it was Dom, no, I, 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 Dom, I, I would yeah, have never I, kept I, a man I, of your stature waiting. No, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I, you'll become my energy drink before I retire every night. You know, I can't not listen to you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Dom. I'm glad yeah. to hear from you. What What do you think, well, Dom? What are your thoughts? Well, first, first of all, my prayers to Eileen, your last caller who called about her cop father. I felt really bad about her story. It, oh, it touched my heart. Me I too. To, I, I hope she's hearing that. Yes, you know, me too. My, what? It, what? It, and by the way, yeah. I thought that was so important, yeah, um, Dom, that she talked about the, the, how heroic our law enforcement are and their families, and you know, yeah. and and how important what they do, protecting all of yeah. us. And, and now, as we're talking about the mission of what America and NATO can do to protect the world at this moment, here with this. Yeah, and I don't, and every opportunity I get, I, I make it a point to shake hands with a cop, just for the heck of it, you know, and, and that makes them happy. So Biden, you know, Biden's State of the Union really sounded like Biden's State of the Biden. Pathetic, pitiful, and very Putin-friendly. That's what I thought about that. I didn't hear, you know what I didn't hear, Dom? I didn't hear, as we are hearing, I think, a madman who's desperate, because as I just announced um, you know, this uh, Russian and tomorrow they're going to have this, you know, uh, all Russian open lesson about why the liberation of Ukraine's a necessity, according to Russia, you know, their version of it. Clearly, he is trying to kind of influence the masses in Russia because there are these reports. Um, first of all, that we know that there have been protests in the streets there. There was a report that even the Russian, maybe, maybe some Russian generals tipped off the Ukrainians about this hit squad that was trying to kill Zelensky. So he maybe is worried about, you know, defectors and his rank, um, and he's desperate. Yeah. But that's a scary premise. And when you hear that, Dave, I want, you know, it's so important that we hear pounding and that we hear, you know, he need. that's where a, an American president who is strong and leading the world that's where we needed to hear that, not just last night, but we needed to hear that months ago. I think it may have averted this situation, plus his crazy energy policy contributed to it, too, Dom. Yeah, I think, you know, I teach for a living, and I've been doing that for almost 32 years. And I have students that have relatives in Ukraine, and they are very worried. I mean, I keep talking to them, how's your family, whatever. They are really worried about people calling Putin a war criminal because I think, you know, their their sense is that, you know, this guy is starting to be a, you know, a madman and he needs some kind of a, you know, off ramp to kind of let him down lightly because otherwise we push him too much to a corner. They're afraid he's going to go ballistic and do really, you know, crazy things. So a lot of people are worried that we're really pushing into the corner, good or bad, and that's what the situation is. Yeah, sadly, and sadly, and yeah. that's where I think, Dom, and Dom, thank you so much for the call, but I agree he's in such a crazy situation, and obviously I contend that there were a lot of mistakes made by this American president in terms of his lack of leadership 
up to this moment. I couldn't believe last night speaking of the State of the Union. He was like, we were ready. I'm like, really? I didn't see anything that America was ready. America was not leading. Um, America seemed like it was caught with its pants down. At least Biden was. And to me, I thought it, that, but we are where we are, as you talk about, Dom. And right now, we just want to have safety and security for the world and have it end for Ukraine, my goodness, in a peaceful, positive way. And we're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. one 800 848 9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And as you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show, uh, the UN Human Rights Monitoring Mission just putting out some new numbers from Ukraine saying that as of midnight on March 1st, it has recorded. 752 civilian casualties in Ukraine since the beginning of the Russian invasion. And indeed, in the last 24 hours or so, there have been massive explosions heard in at least four to five of the major cities there in Ukraine. So there, you can bet, sadly, there will be many more civilian casualties as a result of what we are hearing, including hits on a school, hits on a hospital, Also, a cathedral was also destroyed. We know that the Holocaust Memorial was also destroyed in the last day or so, but many new fresh strikes tonight, sadly, as the Russian military is stepping up its efforts against the Ukrainian people. Also, uh, just a few hours ago, 141 countries in uh, the United Nations, and that's a lot of countries, came together and they condemned the Russian invasion, calling for Russia to withdraw its troops. Uh, Very strong language coming from the United Nations, but it doesn't seem like anything is going to stop Vladimir Putin on his mission. So what should the U.S. have done, and what should we do now? Because Ukraine is pleading at this hour, saying, please get more weaponry to us, please get humanitarian efforts to us. They're also asking again for that no-fly zone, which at this point it does not look like the U.S. or the world wants to institute because that that could engage us into warfare. Um, But we do know that in the last few hours, 200 U.S. stingers and also some of the javelins that the U.S. has been supplying have come through Poland to Ukraine. The question is, Will they get enough weaponry in time, whether it comes from the U.S. or the rest of the world? What are your thoughts on all of this, everyone? Because another dire night as we are now heading into day eight of the war, amazingly here. Um, It is day seven here in the United States, day eight there already, because, of course, uh, the sun will be coming up in just a few hours already in Kiev. It's 1-800-848-9222, Let's go to Karen in Rockland. Karen, your thoughts about all this, my friend? Oh, uh, he is a war criminal, and he is also a homicidal maniac, and it's a shame that we have to walk on eggshells around this bastard. But, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, by the way, that's the by the way, Karen, that's the nicest thing I could say about him. <laughs> I'm glad you said it, not me. But I was thinking it. <laughs> but you're right. But you know, have... you know, it's scary, Karen, because he is this maniacal, and because 
he seems like he's stepping up the efforts. That's really scary, Karen, because he seems to now just kind of saying, hit anything in sight, keep going. And he still hasn't used that convoy, which is really scary. That's only, you know, they think it's about 15 miles outside of the main city. That's frightening, Karen. Did did Biden mention in his speech last night that uh, he's going to be giving $15 billion to Iran, another one of our enemies? Yeah, isn't that what happens if Iran, you know, hooks up with Russia? It's what we need. Right, right. And by the way, nuclear power. You know what, Karen, as you were talking, you reminded me of the this vote that took place at the U.N. today where all these countries came out and condemned it. Um, As you rightly said, guess what? Uh, North Korea didn't vote for it. They voted against it. You know, Eritrea actually voted against it. Um, You know, a couple others voted against it. So it's like, who are these people? Like, if that's not transparent, what, North Korea is cheering it on. And they're a nuclear power, too. Karen, thank you. Great, great points, my friend. And boy, is it frightening when we're dealing with all of these issues. We're going to continue your calls, everybody. What do you think? Is Vladimir Putin a war criminal? Should he be rounded up and brought to The Hague and stand trial? I say yes. And also, what should we do now? Because it looks like that convoy is slowly inching its way. And now Putin is hitting civilian targets. 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great men and women in the military. I love this segment every night. Tonight, I want to give a great shout out to our American troops who, again, are at the ready. Thousands of them around the world, many of them in Poland. I was talking with somebody from Poland earlier today, and they were just telling me about how great the American troops have been taking care of countless refugees that have flowed over that border from Ukraine into Poland, helping them with humanitarian efforts, uh, food, blankets, uh, communication. There are so many layers, and most of them are also women and children because, remember, the men that are ages 18 to 16, 60, are told to stay behind because they must stay and fight. They're not allowed to leave the country. If they're a fighting age in good health, they are told that they must stay behind to protect their country. And there are a lot of people who are also voluntarily staying behind to fight their country and protect it. And that includes men and women picking up arms. And so far, there have been reports that about a million refugees have left Ukraine. And again, many of them being cared for by the U.S. military tonight and also NATO forces, too, as well. So I want to give a big shout out to our great men and women in uniform who are doing incredible work and helping these people who have lost everything and are praying that their loved ones are going to survive the war and also praying that their country will survive the war. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with the Ukrainian people tonight. By the way, uh, Russia is definitely tightening the noose. Uh, We just got an update that Russia's government is also trying to throttle all forms of communication. They're going to put out their own message as to why they invaded Ukraine, basically trying to quell any unrest with the Russian people, because there are reports that even Russian soldiers are not happy with what's going on. Um, It's hard to gauge 
what is fact or what is fiction. But there are reports that even some Russian soldiers are saying, hey, I thought I was going on a training exercise. I didn't know I was going to be going in and also bombing civilians and doing some of the things that now clearly has, you know, Putin has ordered over some of these major cities in Ukraine because he is desperate and they are, in fact, I think, surprised that the Ukrainian people, and including led by Zelensky, who is amazing, have been staying there and fighting and fighting with everything that they have. And we're getting reports now that the Russian government is basically throttling Twitter, Facebook, and also Instagram platforms that tens of millions of Russian citizens rely on every day. So they're trying to cut off information that they have. And also um, messages, true, they're trying to get the message out to people from our U.S. State Department saying, you know, listen, Putin chose this war. The Russian people, you did not. Um, Basically, put down your arms, put down your weapons. Don't fight for this madman. Let this madman go down in flames, but don't go down with him. Um, So basically making direct appeals to the people of Russia who are very close to a lot of the people in Ukraine. There's a lot of relatives. There's a lot of people that go back and forth between the two countries. And they are trying to appeal to those individuals, particularly those in the military or family members of those in the military, saying, don't do it. Don't go up against Ukraine. Also, this Friday, according to a new report, Russia's Kremlin-dominated parliament, of course, because If you weren't supporting Putin, you probably wouldn't be in the parliament there now, um, are going to be gathering for a special session, get this, to consider a bill that would make unofficial reporting of Russia's further invasion of Ukraine punishable by up to 15 years in prison. Wow. So in other words, if you don't report exactly what Putin tells you to report you will be thrown in prison for 15 years in a Russian gulag, and that ain't going to be a pretty place. So you can just tell that he is getting desperate, and he is trying to do whatever he can. And again, at this hour, they are hitting many civilian targets all over the country of Ukraine. Our thoughts and prayers are with them. It is such a difficult time. And last night we heard from President Joe Biden saying that America— is doing what it can to fight against Putin. Take a listen. Here's a little bit from the president's State of the Union address. Throughout our history, we've learned this lesson. When dictators do not pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos. They keep moving. And the cost, the threats to the America and America to the world keeps rising. That's why the NATO alliance was created, to secure peace and stability in Europe after World War II. The United States is a member, along with 29 other nations. It matters. American diplomacy matters. American resolve matters. Putin's latest attack on Ukraine was premeditated and totally unprovoked. He rejected repeated, repeated efforts at diplomacy. He thought the West and NATO wouldn't respond. He thought he could divide us at home in this chamber and this nation. He thought he could divide us in Europe as well. But Putin was wrong. So President Biden did sound tough there. But what has he really done to thwart Putin? Well, he made it very clear from day one, and so did NATO, that they do not want to put their troops on the ground. Take a listen. He repeated that again last night. But let me be clear. Our forces are not 
engaged and will not engage in the conflict with Russian forces in Ukraine. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies in the event that Putin decides to keep moving west. For that purpose, we have mobilized American ground forces, air squadrons, ship deployments to protect NATO countries, including Poland, Romania, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. And as I've made crystal clear, the United States and our allies will defend every inch of territory that is NATO territory with the full force of our collective power. Every single inch. So why were your policies then to the point where we are still importing and buying oil and gas from Russia? It does not make any sense. And that is a catastrophe that we are funneling their war machine. To me, that is outrageous. In fact, I want to read a number of barrels imported from Russia in 2021. Your mind is going to be blown away. 245 million barrels that the U.S. imported from Russia last year alone. That is a huge lifeline for us, and it's a huge lifeline for Vladimir Putin. And that's because we moved away from energy independence because Joe was holding up a solar panel or blowing into the windmill to try to get energy. Take a listen. Here is Republican Senator John Thune, and he said that Biden's policies contributed in part in a big way to this moment. There is no question that we have the resources in this country, if we're willing to develop them, to fill the gap. And, you know, if, if Russia energy is taken offline to help uh, support our, our European allies and to provide America with what we need to function, but they've got to be willing to make a decision to do that. And I was hopeful, like a lot of our members were last night, that the president would uh, come to that conclusion, make that decision based upon the really extraordinary circumstances that we're in right now. But they just can't get there but I, I they're going to have to there's just no you know two ways about it but this president continues to tout his green energy policies that's what he did last night he missed a moment he could have used that moment to say you know what for the good of the country the good of the world we are going to start drilling more here at home we're not going to be dependent that way none of our money is going to go to vladimir putin that he could use on his war machine against the ukrainian people that are begging tonight And this also comes as we're learning again that this Chechen hit squad that was sent to murder President Zelensky there, quote, has been eliminated. But there was indeed top elite Chechen commandos that were sent into Ukraine to hunt down and specifically assassinate the president of Ukraine. So what are we going to do? Why are we so stuck on our green energy policies? And what else can we do to protect this man and to protect freedom? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Toronto. John, your thoughts about all of this. What do you think we should do with Putin? Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say that we have a friend, a friend of ours that the sister got out of uh, Poland, uh, out of Ukraine, and she's now in Poland. But the husband had to stay behind and fight. But, oh, oh my uh, goodness! Yeah. We're going to keep him in our prayers and her too, obviously, with them separated. Yeah. Wow. So basically, with, with with Putin, he will be. He will, in my opinion, I believe he will be charged as a war criminal, uh, and so should uh, all the Russian-controlled countries like um, Belarus and. Um, it's too bad that mil- millions of civilians are going to have to be slaughtered before 
I believe the, the West has to go into Ukraine. Uh, Putin broke rules, so we got to break rules, too. And um, the only problem with that, the only problem, John, by the way, and, and I'll let you finish. But the only problem with that is if we go in and then Putin will obviously retaliate against America or whatever other, you know, forces are there, whatever other countries. And then it really brings us into that. And if you look at even right now, the American public does not want American troops on the ground. What are your thoughts? Same thing that happened in World War II. Eventually they had to go in. And I say, with, with Putin, you got to slam him and slam him underground. That's the only way this guy is going to listen. And what may also happen is his own people may assassinate him. It's been it's been done before the dictators. So, you know. Yeah, we can only hope, I mean, right? We hope that there's yeah. some courageous generals out there in the Russian military that don't want to die for this lunatic, and are saying, you know, let's let's take him out, uh, like sort of a, a a plot to get rid of him. Like there were many plots to try to get rid of Hitler, um, too, as well. And then remember, ultimately, he was cornered um, and took his own life. Remember the whole deal with him and his girlfriend at the time, the whole deal. But we can only pray that that happens in this case, that uh, hopefully uh, somebody takes him out even sooner within the Russian guard. But he's probably limiting the people that are around him. But he's clearly trying to get somebody to get Zelensky. And uh, it's an incredible fight. This man is doing still press conferences or at least statements, I should say, from a bunker. You know, and think about all the security around him now. It is extraordinary. John, thank you very much. Let's go to Alfred in Yonkers. Alfred, what do you think we should do with Vladimir Putin tonight? Should he be a war criminal or should we uh, pray that a Russian general takes him out? I hope a Russian general takes him out. Hi, Rita. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate your show. And um, I just wanted to make like two comments. Um, He's violating every every rule of the Geneva Conventions and every international law, and he's nothing but a butcher and a war criminal. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. So what would you do? Now, you said you're a veteran. I want to ask you, you know, our last caller, John, said at some point he thinks there will be American boots on the ground. I mean, one of the things, you know, in World War II, we were really thrust into it, obviously, after Pearl Harbor. You know, you think think about I think we're going to be pushed into it. You know, my dad was a World War II veteran. You know, he, um, you know, he, well, he he joined. But, I mean, that's what most Americans, patriotic Americans, would, would do anyway. I mean, if I was young enough, I would do it again. Well, well you know, it's interesting, too, by the way, there are reports now um, that they're also trying to create, get some American special ops guys to come in there and help somehow with Ukraine. Again, this is not formal military. These are some former, like, uh, you know, former Green Green Berets. and Yeah, former Green Berets and Navy SEALs and retired guys who have that expertise who can handle urban warfare because it could get really ugly if those Russian troops come in to Kiev. Well, well, the problem is the threat of nuclear. You know, he what's to stop him from unleashing a nuclear weapon on us? That that's the other issue. You know, he has no reservations about killing civilians, and my heart goes out to those Ukrainians. Oh, it's and, and you know, one of the other things, Alfred, too, there are reports that he's bringing in these launchers, these uh, thermobaric launchers, um, which are for weapons. No reports that he's had the actual weapons, but why are you bringing in a thermobaric weapon launcher if you're not planning to maybe use them? And that's not the same as, obviously, 
you know, as a, you know, nuclear, but it, those are like, you know, as you know, high velocity, burn everything in sight in the radius of the bomb. And that, again, is violating every law of Geneva Convention. But I don't think he cares about Geneva Convention, sadly, don't you? I, I Clearly, he doesn't. He's just, um, he's very disingenuous and he's just treacherous and he's not to be trusted at all. I mean, and and he's got to be stopped. You know, I mean, I, I mean, agree. Again, I agree. Like we have to, to we have <laughs> we have to find a way to stop them. One thousand percent. Alfred, Absolutely. thank you very much, Alfred. Let's go to Stan um, in Forest Hill. Stan, we've got to stop this madman, Stan. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But that's not going to happen. Also, there ain't going to be any uh, The international court will not. What are you going to get this guy in? Come on. It's not going to happen. We're in a terrible situation here. We can't do anything. The only thing we can do, if he crosses the line into Poland, then we act. Then, there's no doubt in my mind, we would be in nuclear war. Uh, the Lavrov, who made the very scary but statement on the possibility of nuclear war, he's right. But I do believe that the mistake made by the Pentagon was to stop that test. I would have gone on with the test. I sh- the president himself, and on this one, I don't agree with him on. He should have made a point. Yes, you, you, you can do nuclear war if you want. We'll be right there with you, and we'll, we will attack as well. You have to put it right in his eye. He, you know, when we don't want to do it, we seem to be a little timid about it. But my fellow Americans— uh, You know you what know, you're sounding like? You're sounding like Donald no, Trump, on Stan. Point, on this point— Stan, the Russians you're, are serious. Stan, you're sounding like Donald Trump because no, Donald Trump. No, that traitor. Oh, no. Don, he did Stan, nothing. Stan, nothing Stan Donald years. Trump would have no, done that test. No, I bet you Donald Trump oil. would have done that oil? test. Let's talk oil. No, no, no. Hang on. I, I want to keep you focused on this because you are no, you Donald sound Trump just like Donald Trump, who you do not like. But guess nothing what? Donald him. Trump would have talked tough. What if? Eh, would have. Could have. What didn't Guess what? He's not the nothing. president right now. A big epiphany, Donald Stan. Donald Trump kissed his ass Stan, in plain English. Stan, you know what? You need to, first of all, have a wake-up call because you, no, you, you sounded just like President Trump right there because President Trump would have actually talked tougher to Putin earlier and President Trump would have said, guess what? We are going to do this test for that reason and push Putin to hopefully back off because just as you said you have to talk tough with a dictator and sure enough that doesn't sound like president biden who didn't even know the difference between ukrainians and iranians last night that's your president stan and we're gonna when we come back we're gonna take everybody's calls 1-800-848-9222 1-800-848-9222 stan sounds a lot like president trump tonight whether he wants to admit it or not it's the rita cosby show Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And this is the Rita Cosby Show. We continue to get reports of intense pounding taking place over Ukrainian cities. Uh, The Ukrainian government also putting out there saying that there are 2,000 civilians that have been killed so far in the war. Uh, The U.N. mission there essentially saying that they have a total of 700 but the Ukrainian people saying that more than 2,000 and sadly many more will have been killed tonight because there are many bombings taking place 
over major cities in Ukraine. Putin is unleashing a fury tonight, and it is heartbreaking. And this comes at a time where people are discussing whether or not Putin should be taken into custody and tried as a war criminal. I say yes. And Jack Keane, General Jack Keane, who was former vice chief of the Army, had this to say. He says it shouldn't just stop at Putin. It should stop at his henchmen, too. I would also say that uh, it's perfectly uh, within our rights uh, to go after the generals that are also uh, using these weapon systems. And that'll put considerable pressure on them. We, 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 have, we know from our intelligence sources, um, and this administration has been very forthcoming about uh, some of the uh, information that we picked up, certainly, from Russia, that there is, there is some serious dissension uh, in the ranks of certainly uh, the senior leaders and also policymakers. But I also think that Putin forced this kind of an operation on him. And what I mean by that, something that could be done in two or three days, topple the government and not have to deal uh, with becoming an international pariah, ended quickly. But he didn't have the military capability and the resources, and I also think the leadership, uh, to do that very effectively. His general staff is nowhere near you know, what it should be. But yes, I totally agree with the basic premise. Let's highlight what's going on. Let's get the process going. This is a a war criminal. He's been a war criminal since 2000 in Chechnya. Absolutely. Let's treat him like a war criminal. And clearly, when you hear about all the civilian targets being hit tonight, as we speak, and the sun just coming up in Ukraine, where there is a lot of damage and destruction. And it sure doesn't look like he's just hitting military facilities. I wouldn't say a, a kindergarten. I wouldn't talk about a hospital, apartment buildings. Those are clearly targeted attacks to go after the Ukrainian people. Let's go to Michael in Nutley, New Jersey. Michael, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. What should we do with Putin? Rita, first of all, other than Marjorie Taylor Greene and Bobart. Where are our fecal matter Republicans in the Congress and Senate? They should be banging on the White House door, demanding that, pre- pre- I hate to call him President Biden, Democrat Biden, should make America oil industry first and bring back our oil industry back to 100% capacity. Because I want to tell you something. Putin, that guy, he's got $200 billion. He has, a, he has something called a Putin palace. That's worth a billion bucks. He, he, he's a government employee that makes $138,000 a year. $130,000 a year. And not only that, he's not just a war criminal. He's a government embezzler. He's stealing money from the Russian people. And I want to make an appeal. We should all appeal to the Russian mothers of these soldiers that are fighting in Russia. They should call their, their children soldiers and tell them to put down your weapons and get out of country. And to the Russian mothers who have their son come back in a coffin in a Russian draped flag, don't blame the Ukrainian people, the Ukrainian soldier, for killing him in their defense. Blame Putin for putting your son down, for fighting for a war that he shouldn't have been in. All because Putin wants this, wants this country. I'm sure, I'm sure there's something more than just a buffer to NATO. I'm sure there's some maybe ores or some kind of minerals he wants that where he can dozen money from that to make another $200 billion. But we should all appeal to the Russian mothers. So if there's any Russian Americans listening to me right now, and also you congressmen, get, get at Biden, knock on that White House door and drag him out and make him sign a, 
a piece of legislation that says I American agree. oil industry first. I to agree. The Russian mothers. Hey, to Michael. The Russian mothers. Michael, I hear you, and I agree. And by the way, America has been trying to kind of appeal to them, but you're right. We need to pound our fists and demand that they tell their sons and daughters, do not fight this war. Protect Ukraine. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 